Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We've got to talk some USC football. The Trojans 3-0 in the Pac-12 Conference with a 33-17 win over the Utah Utes. We're going to talk about that game with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Send us a question. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. Leave a voicemail, send us a text at 424-254-9141. We always appreciate if you leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, on any of those apps on your Apple device, any kind of feedback, suggestions, comments you have for the show, but leave us five stars. That really does help grow the show. And we like to talk about these football games as they happen, after they happen. We're going to do that today with the coach. Coach, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. And by the way, before we get started, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. We're uh, doing the show on Monday, so we want to make sure that you're safe on uh, your travels if you're traveling. Uh, and uh, please be safe and follow the rules, regulations, and enjoy your family or friends or whoever you're with. Some of us will be by ourselves, uh, but uh, some of you will be with other friends. So just be careful. That's all we can say. Yeah, be careful, everyone out there, and happy Thanksgiving. And we got a big show for you today because we got to talk about what I would say, Coach, is USC's most impressive showing of the season. It looks like the defense got better. The offense, maybe not. Maybe they regressed a little bit. But overall, special teams, I thought, were pretty good. Um, the, the, the defense definitely played better. You're talking about the two-time Pac-12 South champions in uh, the Utah Utes. Uh, I know they were playing in their first game. Uh, but this was a not an easy place to get a win when you're playing at Rice Eccles at night in the cold. Uh, and USC was able to get it done. Yeah, I, I mean, was Utah full strength? No. Uh, were they you know, playing their first game? Sure. But I think getting away with a 16-point win uh, against the Utes and really putting yourself in the driver's seat to win the Pac-12 South, uh, I think it was impressive. So what were your overall thoughts, Coach? Well, uh, I hate to put a damper on a lot of positive things you just said there. <clears throat> You're always uh, happy with a win, Ryan. Even if you win ugly or whatever you do, you got to get the W, and that the, all the stats and all that stuff doesn't mean anything. It's whether you get the W or not, and if you got better, and if you're solving some of the problems that you have offensively, defensively, and you're getting the right personnel on the field in the right position, and all of the above. Uh, first of all, you got to evaluate your talent that you're playing. And uh, when I watch University of Utah play, uh, they are not the University of Utah to get all excited about as far as beating a team. I would think that possibly they were the worst team that they played so far as far as being ready to play talent-wise, quarterbacking-wise, uh, the whole the whole thing. Offensive philosophy, uh, quarterback's not athletic, they really can't throw the football, not a great running game, uh, defense so-so, 
uh, you know, all of the above. So you have to evaluate what you're playing against to decide how good you really are. And, uh, yes, uh, you did play well defensively, but uh, in what manner and, and, and what did you stop? And, uh, uh, you know, and how many yards did you rush for? And if you look at that, you got 98 yards rushing or whatever it is, and 47 was on one play. So, you know, you got to look at everything and, and, and look at the big picture. And, yes, you you did beat them. You did break, this, break the streak of losing seven straight times there. You'll take the W. But that football team is decimated as far as with players and not players playing and just not a, and not having a, a game and getting worn down at the end of the game because you can practice, but you can't illustrate or demonstrate a complete game of playing 60 minutes. That's a whole different thing. So uh, that's the way I feel on that game. I think it's a great win. But uh, right now, Utah's, Utah is playing back at the level of Mountain West Conference, or I'm not sure they, we beat Boise State or some of those schools. Wow. Uh, that's an interesting take, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. We should probably play. We have a voicemail from Curtis and Marino Valley. And uh, you know what? Why don't I play it for you? And then we'll get you. We want to talk about this because I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And, you know, following the Pac-12, that didn't look like the Utah team that we've seen before. And, uh, you know, you saw Cal against UCLA last week when their opening game, when they came off all the quarantine, they looked they look like crap, to be honest, and they looked much better. They really outplayed Oregon State last weekend and, and still on Saturday, but still lost. But let me play this voicemail for you, and then we'll talk about this some more. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. It's the start of the fourth quarter, and we're winning 30-17. to 17. Don't know how this is going to end up, but I know this much. There are no excuses for the Trojans, and there are no excuses for Utah. Don't want to hear any excuses tomorrow. There are no excuses in football. And by the way, it's nice to let Keenan Christian, the fastest running back in the nation, get a carry every now and then. Looks like delayed draws really kill the drop eight because the linebackers are dropping back. Curtis from Moreno Valley. So he doesn't want any excuses, yes, Coach. Uh, you can't say that Utah's no. terrible because that, that's an excuse. No, yeah, it's just uh, the facts. So let's just face it. And as he mentions the draw, the draw, how many times I've been talking about the draw, how many times I talk about a lot of things. If you're going to throw the football, which their offense certainly wants to do, USC, you've got to help the passing game by doing different things like the draw, not twice in a row, but more than once in a game. Uh, that was their best uh, play two weeks ago, or a week ago, yeah, two weeks ago against Arizona when they scored on one and went down and got in scoring position. So, you know, you got to decide what you're doing, and then you got to have the things surrounding it that makes it successful. And right now we're jumping around from offense to defense. I don't know if we should be doing that. But, but these things have got to be, or organize. And when you said excuses, uh, Curtis just mentioned that. When I listened to the interviews, I sort of say, what are they saying? I mean, when you talk about, uh, when you ask a question as a head football coach, if you ask a question, 
why isn't this or what are you doing? You don't answer the question. You ought to say, yeah, we do need to work on this. We're terrible at that. Or, you know, and this is the way we're going to do it, and this is why we do certain things. But a week ago, since we've done our podcast, they went to Graham Harrell, and they went to, they talked to Clay Helton about, about, you know, why don't you go under center? And the answers are ridiculous. We don't do that. Or we don't need to do that. Or we don't have time to teach it. What do you mean you don't have time to teach it? You have time to give them a whole day off to vote. You have passing contests after practice, the coaches and the quarterbacks. What kind of excuses are that? I mean, you see every major college in the country and everybody doing what you got to do to win. And uh, when you get in the red zone, how many times do we talk about the problems they have in the red zone? Well, I, I'm getting tired of telling everybody the reasons that no one do anything about it just it's like talking to a wall so you know there's 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 reasons to do things and there's reason not to do things and uh, you see things getting better in some areas but you don't see a consistent improvement as far as that you know the different things you need to do to be good at what you do and make those things you're doing better that you're not doing well and I don't just see that happening. So, you know, I'm in one of those moods today because <laughs> I'm in one of those moods because if you were in my staff meeting with me today, okay, and you were my staff sitting there, in fact, this wouldn't have been the day. This would have been when we got back from Salt Lake City, okay? They would have thought they were going home. We had been going to the office, okay? And we'd have sat down and say, now on the offensive side of the football, what the hell are you doing, Graham? What are we trying to accomplish? And the same thing on the defensive side of the football. Because I don't know, you know, if we got better or we're getting better. And, you know, when I look at the overall Pac-12 currently right now, I look at it and I say anybody can beat anybody because who's who's Oregon this year? Oregon was behind at half against Stanford. Stanford hasn't won a game, and they barely beat Stanford. They, Washington State was up at halftime. They barely beat them. UCLA could have beaten them, uh, uh, but they didn't. But 38-35. So Oregon's not dominant. Probably the best team I've seen so far in the Pac-12 for 56 minutes is Arizona State. And they really uh, had it together. They played well. They didn't dominate uh, as much as they should have with the ability of their quarterback, Daniels, running the football. But for the 56 minutes I saw playing, they're a pretty good football team as far as the best I've seen so far in the Pac-12. So, you know, when I look at it and then people ask the question, are they going to select a Pac-12 team to go to the playoffs? Yes, if they go undefeated, they got to consider, what are you talking about? Over what team? I mean, over what team that's playing 10 or 11 games or whatever they're playing in some of these other conferences. So we got to be realistic exactly where we are as far as with USC and the Pac-12 currently at this time. Coach, the uh, – and we get back to, like, the original question and, and Curtis's thoughts on no excuses. Uh, you know, it's coming from, you know, last year when USC beat Cal, and Cal was playing pretty well, but they were out without Chase Garbers, and he didn't like that I mentioned that, or – Last year when USC beat Arizona State, they didn't have Jaden Daniels. Um, 
you know, this year there's a lot of weird things happening. USC is fortunate, and a lot of it is because of the way they've handled their business with the coronavirus. They've done a great job with it. But you got to have some luck, too. Your opponents, none of USC's opponents, have had to bow out of a game. We've seen other programs that were handling the coronavirus well, but their opponent didn't. So you're kind of in a tough spot. Um, so USC has been lucky. There's only two teams that haven't had their schedule altered at all. It's USC and Oregon State. Um, and it's funny, the Trojans have played three games. Two of their opponents, the only game they've played is against USC, and the other one is Arizona, and they played one other game. They lost to uh, Washington. So it's been it's a very strange season, but it's hard to discount the fact that Utah was playing their first game. They looked like it. You did lose a lot from that team uh, you know, from last year's team, all of the all Pac-12 selections are gone. Um, you know, they they lose. They pick a starting quarterback who's a little bit more mobile, and they lose him. Yeah, I'm not Curtis. I'm not trying to make excuses here. I think it's an important win. You get a double-digit win against the team that's won the division the last two years. Whatever the circumstances are, fine. But you do have to understand. Like, if you're going to say, "Well, USC is amazing because they beat Utah by 16," I wouldn't take that stance either. Uh, it does look like this is just something where, you know, every once in a while, coach, you, things work out your way. Like you could be playing well. If, if you and me are playing pickup basketball and I'm stroking the threes and I, and I beat you, it's like, okay, that's fine. But if I'm playing and I'm like, I'm not playing very well and you just happen to stink that day, I can win anyway. And I think USC is sort of in this place where they've had some good things happen and they've played okay at times, but they haven't played great. I don't think at all. And then, but their opponents, for whatever reason, have been a little just down and they just haven't played up to maybe their potential. So you got to take advantage of that when you can. I just don't think anyone's like come out and given USC, you know, the full throttle outside of Arizona State for a lot of that first game. Well, it's because, uh, Ryan, uh, they haven't had the ability to do that. They don't have the personnel and and they they play hard, but they're just not good enough. Uh, they're not talented enough, and uh, and of course they're getting really fired up to play USC, which USC has to be aware of. Everybody's going to do that against USC. And Arizona State, uh, I thought, had a a great game plan, and they played hell. Uh, they played hell with it. Was a great game. I think it was a great game, and it was a miracle too. We talked about that and how the finish was, and you got to be really excited about winning when you're winning. And uh, you, you, But there's more than saying, I'm just so proud of how we played and how good the guys are, and uh, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, there's times that you have to be critical about your football team or your coaching staff or, or what's going on. And you, and that's what's being what you call realistic, because if you don't become realistic, then the people don't start. They, they, they're watching the same game that you're at. And watching the caliber of players, if they have any ability to understand what ability is, of the talent you're playing and the talent you have. And if you're utilizing your talent. Now, when I watch USC play, on the offensive side of the football, Malapai would never come out of the game, okay? Now, that might get Curtis mad at me by saying that. But I'll tell you, he is a football player. That's what I call a football player. I mean, he likes contact. He's not going to go down. When they scored down there in the goal line, it was because he wanted to score in the goal line. He pushed himself. He's, he did everything he could. He always falls forward. You never see him knock him backwards. 
I mean, he he loves the game of football. And after a while, when you carried a ball like Henry for Tennessee that played at Alabama, towards the end of the game, you can't tackle him anymore. He just worn you down. You're beat up as a defensive back. You don't want anything to do with him. And that's the type of back Malapiai reminds me of, okay? And I'm not saying the other backs aren't good. I'm just saying this is the type of guy, if I'm playing defense or defensive back where he's 20 or 30 pounds heavier than me, man, I don't want anything to do with him. And then I like those type of players. I like the type of players that show you they love the game. Now, Kendon, I love Kendon. I think he's a great kid. I think he's got great talent. But they're not giving him an opportunity to be as good as he can be. He's getting gun-shy right now. He's getting to be confused. He's starting to force the football because he's got so much pressure on him as far as who he was last year and what he's supposed to be this year and being a team captain as a sophomore and trying to do everything. It's a lot too much pressure on him and then not giving him the two things around him to make him successful. Uh, I mean, the, the plays, I don't want to go through all the plays again, but so many things are open that they don't take advantage of during a football game. If you listen to my tweets coming out, I'm saying it in the first quarter what they ought to do, that finally they do in the fourth quarter occasionally. So, you know, you've got to have that type of effort, like London the same way. What a what a great receiver he is. And the way, he, not that Tyler Vaughn is, and don't get me wrong, people, but what an effort. When he catches the ball, I just keep watching him. My gosh, look at that. Look at that. They're, they're driving him forward. I mean, he's dragging everybody with him. Hey, this shows you the type of football players they are and what you have around you. And on the defensive side, when you watch Hufunga play and you watch 93 play and you watch 21 play, you say, my, isn't that wonderful to see guys like that that love the game of football. The linebackers this week look like they had some fun. They really did. 23 tackles. They had some fun crushing people. And then you want to get better at that. And again, on you know, as far as Drake, Lund, uh, Drake uh, Jackson is concerned, I mean, he's in the game half the time. I mean, he's play, being played out of position. He's not as strong as he used to be. He can't power rush anymore because he's lost so much weight and he's thinking too much. Yeah, he intercepted a pass, but is that what you want him to do? Be a a cover guy? I want him to put pressure on my guy. And that quarterback back there says, oh, gosh, here he comes again. I mean, I mean, these are the type of things that upset you as far as a football coach watching a football game, okay? Well, Coach, the, you mentioned the linebackers, 23 tackles uh, among them. You know, Raylan Goforth and uh, Kanai Malga, man, they just look like they look like different guys. And uh, I'm not putting a lot of blame on Pallier Nootote, who missed this one with – concussion protocol i'm not saying this was a lot of him it just seemed like whatever the defensive philosophy was or maybe what todd orlando asked these guys to do they weren't flying around to the football they were more thinking and trying to figure out what they had to do what was the right thing that's just kind of my feel from the first couple of games all the guys not just palier but in this game it just seemed like people were flying around the football they were getting their hands on the ball tipping passes interceptions, near interceptions, forcing fumbles, and to have the two linebackers as your top two tacklers, that's really what I want to see. I mean, yeah, when you get your nose guard, um, you know, leading the team in tackles, that's great for Marlon tui Pelotu. I don't think that's great for the rest of the defense. That's not typically something you want to see. But to have 23 tackles between them, uh, I really thought that they came out 
and played well, but it just looked like it wasn't a product of you're playing a different offense or it was just more about whatever Todd Orlando was saying. It's like, look, you guys can't stop thinking, just go do it, you know? And, and it seemed like that was a message that got through to these guys. Well, they were putting themselves in a position to make the tackle. Remember the down linemen, really their basic job is to start to stop the charge, cause penetration, disrupt everything. And the linebackers make all your tackles. Not that you don't want your defensive linemen to make tackles, but you want them to penetrate and cut off the whole stream of things. So your tackles, so your linebackers can scrape along the line of scrimmage. They don't get cut off by penetration, and they can step up in there and make the tackle. And these guys were in a position where they could make a tackle. They flew around, and they didn't miss tackles. They 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 were physical when they made their tackles. They liked to, not I want to say hurt people, but they want to let people know you don't want to run here again. And I, I saw that type of effort, and I think that's what you need on the defensive side of the football. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to be able to say, hey, this is our land we're defending. You're not coming into our territory and all of the above. Uh, what do they create, five turnovers? I mean, if you get five turnovers, you ought to beat anybody. And, and this, is, this is part of what football is all about. Uh, not that the defense, I thought, had a great game. I mean, you know, I thought that they rushed the football too much on them. But I'm just telling you, at least they're starting to create some things and getting some confidence as far as what they're doing. And uh, But again, I, I look at what they played against, too. What did they play against? How good of an offense did they play against? I mean, goodness gracious, I mean... The first, the, the, the quarterback that came as the backup guy couldn't even complete a pass. Finally, he ran for something like 27 yards, and he almost passed out, passed out, out because he was so didn't know what to do when he was running the football. I mean, nothing against that, but not not real Utah that I've seen before in Utah. Okay, no more Utah toughness that I saw on Saturday. Uh, they got a ways to go, and, and Whittingham's a great coach, and these kids, are, they're young. Utah, they'll probably be better, and it was their first game, all the things we're talking about, but let's consider who you beat. I think that's what you have to look forward to. Who have we beaten so far? And we've beaten, let's see, three teams, and I think of all the three teams, one team has one win, I no, think. No no wins. Well, um, so No wins? There's no wins, but you oh know. man! So, but there's you know the really two of the teams. So Arizona State's only played USC and they lost. Utah's only played USC and they lost. And then Arizona has played USC and Washington and they lost both. So that's that's kind of where you know with with you know two of the teams you're playing have missed two games. So that's that's part of the problem. Yeah. Well, I I, I thought that maybe luckily somebody had won one. You know. Yeah, no, no wins uh, out there yet. But, you know, <laughs> this weekend uh, there will be opportunities for those teams that USC already beat to get a win and also to play an undefeated Colorado team. We'll have a preview uh, later this week, probably up on Wednesday. We'll try to get a lot of the content up before Thanksgiving because I know everyone's going to be kind of chilling out. Uh, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and answer some questions back in a minute. <laughs> Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We are back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, One of the things we had to talk about was uh, Keaton Slovis and his arm. Don had a question, and we'll talk about this for a little bit. Uh, Do you believe Keaton Slovis' arm is the worry or is it his head confidence trying to live up to the hype or did help Helton give him some one-on-one coaching like he did Toa? Uh, he's talking about Toa Lobendon. How many of Slovis's passes crossed the line of scrimmage as opposed to behind the line of scrimmage was Helton actually on the Bobby Dodd head coach list as a top coach. Um, the air raid looks good in the stats, but visually does not impress as a system that will put USC back in the top 10. So let's start with the Slovis stuff, Coach. Um, we heard last week from Clay Elton. We heard from Graham Harrell. We heard from Keaton himself. Keaton thought it might be mechanical. Graham Harrell said, no way, it's not mechanical. I think it just a ball got away from him. It's in his head. Um, Clay Helton was more of, you know, it's the balls were slippery and there was, you know, it was windy at Arizona, which it wasn't windy. Uh, but the ball thing did come up, and they, you know, they didn't really have the student managers there to kind of help them work the balls in. They put some mud on them and stuff like that. They, had, you know, they call it picking the peaches. So apparently, they did a better job of that, picking what the peaches were, picking what the the balls were, getting them ready. And there were some good throws, and there were some not great throws. His, you know, completion percentage wasn't up as high. There were, like Don is suggesting, a lot of dump offs. There was a little more. They weren't pushing it downfield quite as much. That touchdown pass to Tyler Vaughn's coach looked great. That slant they ran over the middle in the man coverage. I mean, Keaton put it right on him, uh, and it was a spiral. But there was other passes that that weren't quite there. The, the long one from uh, Tyler Vaughn's, I think the ball was behind him, and he made a great catch and then still was able to keep his balance and run for a big gain. So it was sort of a mixed bag. And I know Clay Helton like, guaranteed us that this wasn't going to be an issue that we'd be talking about after this game, but – we are still talking about it after this game. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, having managed quarterbacks before, um, he just looks a little different. Something, you know, I'm not putting the whole offensive issues on Keaton Slovis's arm, but what do you think is going on with Keaton Slovis and, and how it's contributing to uh, this offense maybe not being as crisp as we saw last year? Well, guys, I, I said this last year. I said it, well, maybe one of our summer shows or whatever. I said that, you know, for him to repeat as far as the type of year he had last year, it's not going to happen. Because I said, these coaches that you're going to play, they're going to look at every single film, and they're going to find out every single thing you do, and they're going to work on taking away what you guys do. And that's what they're doing. So they're taking away, and they're making a, they're playing a zone, and they're playing a, 
the type of defense, and, and they're taking advantage of who you throw to and who you don't throw to and whether you use your field, and they're making it tougher on the kid. Okay, now the excuses I hear as far as the ball's concerned, that please, we're not kindergarten. We're not kindergarten, okay? If this is not playing in the sandbox, okay? As far as balls, that's something that, that's elementary stuff. That stuff is taken care of before every game by the equipment guy and also the quarterback. He selects the balls, all of that stuff. If you're not doing that at USC, then, man, you're really behind time, okay? Every ball is checked for how much air is in it and everything else, and he has a special ball that he, he selects every single ball that's going to be in the game, okay? So, and the, the wind and all of this. Hey, guys, please get away from all of that. Uh, you know, you got to play in all weathers. Now, when it's raining and so on, yeah, it's more difficult to do certain things, and everybody understands that. So there's hesitancy on him now. There's hesitancy on what used to be there isn't necessarily there now. So he's not throwing with the same confidence that he threw before. And, and, and they're not helping him as far as taking advantage like that when he hit Eric that tight end on that little fake and it came up and hit him right down the middle of the seam. They're giving you all of that. They're giving you all of that and you're not taking care of your, or, uh, advantage of what they're trying to take away from you. So they take away that. That means they, they give you something. When they give you something, then you take advantage of the draws and the tight ends up the seams and, and all of that if they're going to take away your wide receivers and your bubble screens and all those things that you run to get your outside game in. So it's not just Kenan. It's what you're giving him to work with. And, 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 and he's losing his confidence. And if he's not throwing for 500 yards a game, he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. What, what is all this stat stuff? Who cares about stat stuff? Care about winning and doing the right things and having a balanced offense and defense and, and, and winning and looking like a football team. And, you know, just make certain comments that they make like that, excuses-wise, we don't go under center and we don't do this. You know, the balls are wet and it's too windy. Hey, you know, really, the kid is a great player, but don't start to, you know, don't start to, you know, compare stats with last year and what he's doing, and that's what they're doing. And now, right now, he's trying to go to the people he used to go to, and they, they're not there. And they really haven't thrown the ball deep that much, and when they have, it's been like on the post type of routes, which are there in zones, and they've got to run more seam routes in zones. And in zones, you've got to run out and do comebacks and curls of the open area in the zone. I mean, I hope you're working on all that in practice. So, you know, you, and draws and running the football and circle routes with your backs on checkoffs and all of the things that you need to do to be successful. But, you know, I'm not coaching this football team. I'm just saying the kid's the same kid. If if he did injure his shoulder, I don't know. I'm not in the training room. I don't understand that. But he's hesitant. Even when you look at him, when he's looking to the sideline, even the plays are coming in like, what, what? Come on, come on. What is it? Okay, okay. You know, he doesn't. Even, I don't even see him checking off, which they don't believe in either. I think they just read the secondary and somebody blows a whistle and they all stand up and look to the sideline again and get whatever they're supposed to do. But the kid needs to just have some confidence and giving plays that are going to be there and not rotate every damn receiver, every three or four plays. I mean, I mean, the guy gets, doesn't even have a chance. Like he said, he, well, he thought he thought he was going to run a little bit at a different angle through, he threw the ball there and the guy intercepted. Obviously 
He's not thrown to the same guy all the time, so he doesn't know what to anticipate. Not that they aren't good, good players and they shouldn't be in there, but get him, get a feeling, get a routine, get some guys that play with him regularly where they look at each other and they know exactly what they're going to do. So right now he's, he's a little bit late on his throws and he's hesitant because he's, he's, he's trying to do, he's pushing himself too hard. Let me put it to you this way. He's trying to be successful too hard. Yeah, it's interesting, Coach. It, it seems like the mental aspect is a little part of it. The fact that you know, two coaches and a player all come and come up with different reasons why things were going on. But for the overall offense, it just doesn't seem like it's at the level that we saw last year. And I'm not putting this all on Keaton Slovis's shoulders. It's It just seems like, you know, they can get bogged down. I, they've had huge plays in the last couple of um, games, Coach, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think in the third quarter against Arizona, USC had like three plays that went more than like 37 yards or something. A couple in the 40s, one like 37. And they didn't score a touchdown on any of those drives. Like, can you get a big play like that? The huge play, the the draw play that we already talked about, uh, the Keaton Kristen uh, didn't score a touchdown there. It's one of those things where just you talk about situations when you get a sudden change, uh, they didn't score as many points off turnovers as they could have or, or turnover on downs. When you get a huge play, you have to be able to finish those drives. And that's just one of those things that USC's not been able to do. You know, kicking four field goals, it's great for Parker Lewis, but it's not, um, you know, it's not uh, what you really want if you're getting down into the red zone that much. So how do you think the overall offense is is looking? Because it just seems like something's quite, you know, something's off and it. I, I'm not putting it all on Slovis. Oh, no. not I've, Well, I've never been for the air raid offense. What are you talking about? I think if you listen to this show all the time, I've never seen, you know, air raid offense. Uh, how many teams have won the national championship wearing it or uh, running it? Or how many teams are actually running it now when you call it the air raid offense? Uh, this isn't a complete. Uh, this is just seven on seven. 11 on 11, now, but they call it seven. It's just throwing the ball around. I mean, uh, you've got to be able to develop formations and do things, and your tight end's got to be able to come across and trap the right guy. And if you're going to use an H-back or whatever you want to call him, and you don't do any two-back offense, you don't get under center, you don't have really any short yardage offense that I consider short yardage offense, a simple quarterback sneak when you need it or when you need a yard or two. I mean, really, you know, if you don't, believe in this type of stuff, then you're not going to be successful in the red zone because as you close the field down, there's less field to cover as far as in passing games, uh, in the passing game. When the when the field gets shorter, uh, the defense gets stronger. And so when you're throwing the ball around, you don't have as much you know, you know room to operate on. Now you throw a nice slant in there for a touchdown and Vaughn catches that and, and people, yeah, you're going to get that. But, you know, you've got to be able to be physical and have a complete running game with with play-action pass and continuing the zone read to the outside where you hold the backers, you hold everybody outside. I mean, it's just a little run fake. I don't know what that is. He does. He hands the ball off or throws the ball. And then nothing coming back the other way. There's no type of bootleg. There's no real run series. What's the run series that USC runs? I don't know what it is. And... Um, so, you know, unless you emphasize it and have a complete 
offense, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. From day one, when they brought this there, I said that wasn't going to work. Okay? I don't know, but uh, you remember that. I think you remember that because everybody was talking about how great it was. And I said, well, after a period of time, you're going to see that that isn't going to go all the way and work all the way. And it it hasn't. And I, and I feel sorry because because they should be successful better than what they are. Nobody be realistic except for me here uh, talking. And everybody says, what a jerk I am to talk like this probably. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer the question. It's not a complete offense. It's just a little bit of this and a lot of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of just what we've seen. And maybe we can talk about this real quick. Um, in 2018, people were very critical of JT Daniels. And to me, it was just that gumbo offense that wasn't really a plan. Uh, it was just sort of like a grab baggy kind of thing. You can argue the merits of whatever kind of air raid-ish thing that Graham Harrell's running, but to me, it was a, a much more quarterback-friendly offense. You knew what you wanted to do with it, and you're going to try to do it. doesn't always work, just like anything, but it seemed like a you know, well-thought-out plan, and you could disagree with the philosophy of it, but it still was something that you could put players in a position to be successful. They did that last year. I think your point is a good one. You got a lot of tape on on Slovis. You got a tape on this offense, and you kind of know what to do. Will it be as successful as last year? Where we heard everything was, it's going to get better from year one to year two. We haven't seen that yet, but I, I you know, I think you have a good point there. But to me, and I want I wanted to bring this up to get your thoughts on this, Coach. It's a better offense for these quarterbacks, and I feel like people were super critical of JT Daniels, saying he was terrible. And to me, that was more of the the you know the offense that he was running we get to see him for his first start uh at Georgia and throws for over 400 yards and four touchdowns not a great you know Mississippi State defense or anything but still that was impressive so I said all along I thought JT Daniels would have been successful last year if he didn't get hurt in this offense just like Keaton Slovis was but I don't know if you got to see any of his performance coach but I thought it would be interesting to get your thoughts on uh, how JT Daniels played you know, I congratulate him. I really did. You know, I wasn't for him leaving. You remember that. I was really against him leaving. I didn't think it was right for him to leave. I thought he should come back and compete for his position at USC as a Southern California guy. But he decided to pick up his bags and move down to Georgia. And, you know, he wasn't medically cleared as far as the play and practice. But they made the necessary adjustments for him that when he did play down there, uh, he was successful. They're not running exactly the same type of offense, and they'll mold it more about around him to make him successful. But they played tremendous defense down there, and they got great, great players down there. In fact, the receiver they're throwing the ball to is the kid that he knows from Calabasas. So I didn't realize he was down there. So they're, they they had some type of knowledge of themselves. So you know, and at the end of the game, when he's putting his knee down to kill the clock, the crowd already twenty thousand are saying JT. JT, JT. So immediately he's uh, somebody again to be recognized in Georgia. So I'm happy for the kid as far as doing that. I'm disappointed he left USC, and I won't change my opinion on that because I think he should have stayed and competed for it. But uh, sometimes it's it's best for kids to pack up and do what they did, and he did what he did. So now USC's in the situation where you know, they, they have to go with what they have to go with. But I, I, I tell you, it just, you know, you, you, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Uh, I mean, 
the kid hasn't changed. The kid's a good kid, Kevin, Kendon, and uh, they just got to help him. That's all. You can't come up with excuses. You've got to come up with football ideas and football knowledge of what you're doing wrong to correct it. And until I see that, then I won't believe it. it it's Keaton, Coach. We <laughs> feel Keaton, bad. Keaton, what did I call him? You call him Kendon all the time. <laughs> What's his name? Keaton? Keaton. <laughs> well, hell, whatever you number I know, nine. I, I love know, him. but I'm just like, if, if you say it like four times, then I got to say something. Um, well, I know you got to say it. You got to say it. <laughs> I apologize. That's all right. We had a text message that was sort of like uh, all over the place. Um, a bunch of different questions. One of them was, where's Stephen Carr? So my thoughts on Stephen Carr were, and Shotgun tweeted this out, he didn't play the whole first quarter. Then he comes in, he gets stuffed on a run, and then on a pass play, he gets kneed in the head. And and so he was out of the game after that. He didn't look quite right, but it the fact that he didn't play for the whole first quarter, to me, he probably was suspended for something. Um, we learned that Tyler Vaughn's, you know, missed a practice or something like that. So he didn't get the start either. Uh, but I think that's, that's what we know about Carr. He's, they're going to evaluate him and we'll know about him later in the week, but he got in there in the early second quarter, played for two plays, got banged up and, uh, and left out. He also, they didn't leave her name on this text, but you know, please go under center for once. So we talked about that a little bit, but he goes into the defense coach. He says, I can live with the defense and its growth over the last few weeks. They look active against a, uh, a moribund Utah offense. Hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. Um, so, any thoughts on on what he's talking about on the defense? Well, you know, he, you know, everybody's been praising the defense. I mean, uh, the media and everywhere I hear, you know, uh, that I read or, or listen to. So, I, I think that that they're just. They're just happy for a win and happy to keep them really scoring just 10 points against them. Really, one point was the offense gave it up. So you got to be excited about total points scored against you. But again, you got to look at overall performance and, and if you got better and you're doing well and so on. And see, the number one thing that, that gets me, and I'm still talking about it, is where they're playing uh, Drake Jackson, the way they're playing him and why they change him, and he's an All-American freshman, All-American, and they give him a new position. I, I don't know. I, I'll never figure that one out. Okay, I just how you take an All-American, and 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 you change his position and techniques. I, I don't know. And you have him lose 30 pounds or whatever he lost. Doesn't even look like the same guy, really, in a uniform. Doesn't rush with the same power. He's lost a lot of strength. When you lose. A lot of weight, you lose a lot of power and strength. It's very difficult for you to do a power rush and swim techniques and so on, because you're not that tackle now doesn't fear you as far as your power rush as much as what he used to. So, you know, those are the things I look at, and uh, and uh, the kids play hard. Though I want you to know, the kids are playing hard, and I think that's what's important. They fly around, they play hard, they're trying. And I think that's something to look at. Uh, you know, I can I can watch a team play and say, uh, the coach has lost his team. The, the, the kids don't even care that they play hard. No, these kids play hard. Uh, they play hard and they do their very best and so on. And I think that's very important. And uh, so on the defensive side, I can see that. And I can see the enthusiasm, them trying to be good. It's just putting them in a position where they can win. All right. Um, let's see. Let's go to Big Nick. He says, 
Hello, Trojan fans. This is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big, Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Question is, this is the biggest road victory for Helton since he beat Washington four years ago or so. Fight on and beat the Buffs. Um, and he asked, what time is the game, the Colorado game? Uh, that's going to be a 12.30 p.m. kick uh, on ABC. But that's a good point. Do you think this is the biggest, you know, four years ago when they beat um, Washington on the road and Washington ended up going to uh, uh, the playoff that year? Um, I, I would. I think this is probably the biggest road win since then. Or what do you think, Coach? What, the root win at Utah? Yeah. Well, I think it was a, a satisfying win. Let me put it to you that way. To be able to go into a place where you haven't been successful before and be successful, I think it's always satisfying. So I don't know if it's the biggest win on the road that you've ever had because you're playing a team that hadn't played a game or you know, wasn't nationally ranked or anything like that. But I think it's a very satisfying win to be able to go in and, and beat a team in Salt Lake City, not with this normal crowd and craziness that it has there. But I think I would call it a satisfying win when you're able to go in and get your third win and come home and get ready to play a Colorado. I wouldn't call it the biggest win. I'd call it a satisfying win. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, that that win over Washington on the road was huge. Um, and, uh, you know, they had, like, when they beat, I think, Arizona State on the road, what was it? Uh, was that three years ago? or two? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there were some – some pretty good wins there, but uh, th that Washington one was the biggest that I can remember. Uh, let's see. John wrote in, patience. Should we be more patient with a completely new defensive system and the fact that they did not have the benefit of spring ball and also had a limited fall camp? Come to think of it, should we be patient with an offense that is laboring under the same constraints? Many thanks and go Trojans. Best from John. Uh John, patience gets you fired, okay? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you, when you have a team that has as many returning players as USC has from last year, okay? Everybody talked about it. They're unanimous uh, choice to win the South. Uh, whether, they have, whether they have 18 starters back or players that have played, I mean, uh, it's no time for patience, okay? It's time to now get out there and win football games and show that you know, that you're the type of player that everybody evaluated you as, and you're in a system where your skills are exploited and used, where you can perform and do the things that are necessary. Uh, new coaching staffs, yeah, they they play a part of it. Spring practice, no one had spring practice. So you can't put that in there. So uh, I would say that, uh, uh, I would say that uh, currently right now that uh, the team uh, has the people returning. The team is expected to be, good this year if the team doesn't live up to what it's supposed to be then i'd look at it and say why not because the balls are wet or the wind was blowing or anything you can sometimes you got to look at yourself okay sometimes you got to look at yourself and say what are we doing wrong as far as coaches are we doing what we need to do are we recruiting or put a lot putting our players in a position where they can win and and accomplish what our goals are in a in a better manner are we doing something wrong so I think you've gotten to that point now where when you look at the offensive side of the football, you, you've got to evaluate and you've got to look at the young genius. And, uh, you know, you've got to say uh, he was a great football player, don't get me wrong, and has all the records and so on at Texas Tech and so on. But is he too stubborn to change 
to improve the offense. I think that's what you got to look at because anybody that knows anything about football knows there's got to be some change in things. You can't keep forcing it down somebody's throat when it's not working. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just telling you, with the interview I saw that you had or whoever did that interview last week uh, with him answering those questions, he didn't even seem like he wanted to be discussing the press conference or you're questioning him on his abilities or whatever that was. That didn't impress me at all, okay? You should be more direct in what your answers are. And when asked a question, you should try to answer it rather than just saying, uh, we don't do that. Or, you know, we're not going to do that. I mean, please, you're not respecting the person you're talking to, okay? And I always try to do that, and I think that's something that he has to learn to do to become a head coach someday. One last thing we had from Chris. I can't read it all. Uh, he was talking about trend analysis. It's it's really long, and it's got a chart. So this is not good podcasting for him, so I let Chris know. Um, you know, maybe post it over on the message boards over at, at uscfootball.com. But, um so he's, uh, but he's basically not happy with the trends of what he's seeing from Clay Helton uh, when he's been a coach uh, with teams. And I don't know, I guess we can end on this. There's, this comes up a lot. Like you could say something like, wow, that was a great catch by Drake London. And then someone will tweet at you or post on the message board. Well, it doesn't matter. Clay Helton is the football coach. And it just keeps coming up like over and over and over again. You know, this team's 3-0 right now, Coach. Yeah, the, the, the circumstances are very different. Um, do you think Clay Helton can win some of the fans over uh, with a strong showing and maybe going 6-0 and like I thought they could do and, uh, you know, winning the Pac-12 South, if not the Pac-12? Is that – or is it just too weird of a year that the people that aren't fans of Clay Helton are just going to stay not fans of Clay Helton no matter what they do? It's a crazy year. It's a crazy year in every area, okay? When I hear some people say, and I don't know how many people listening, uh, I hope, don't say this, oh, I want to see SC lose so that they can get rid of Clay Held. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you have to respect the man. He's in a position that was given the head football coaching job at USC, and uh, I'm glad he was in the position to give that. I think it was Pat Hayden who hired him, and uh, you can't blame Clay Helton for any of that. He was there at the right time in the right place, and and they hired him. Now, you look back and you say, you know, was this a good hire or not a good hire? Could they have hired somebody else? Should he just been an interim coach? I mean, uh, you know, you go through and ask all this. You go back and you look and you say, from the beginning, whose fault is it really? You hear me talk about this every week. that it's not Clay Helton's fault. It's the people who maybe put someone in a position when he wasn't ready to be in that position. And uh, as him taking that job and making $5 million a year, God bless it, man. I wish I was there. Really. Uh, but, you know, it's the people that thought they knew they didn't know. And uh, once a great coach told me the most dangerous person in the world is a person that thinks he knows it doesn't know. And the people that sometimes put those people in positions, and you know who was there at that time, and the president at that time, uh, made this hire. So this is what you go with. And is he the person to win national championships for USC and do what he's supposed to do? That's a question that's not for me to decide. 
but for the administration to decide on what type of football program they want. Do they want to have a football program? And I said this last week that you can be in the top five every year or be playing for a playoff spot every year, or are you happy to just be six and six or five and six or five and 12 or whatever you're going to be? Or are you disappointed as a college president or the board of trustees when you don't go to the Rose Bowl? Uh, well, that's what they have to make. Someone's got to make a statement to say what type of football program they want. I don't know if I've heard anybody say uh, that our goal this year is to go to the Rose Bowl. They say it, but it's a realistic goal. I mean, it's my goal to walk to Catalina someday. Now, am I going to be able to do that? Probably not. Because I can't walk on water, okay? So you got to look at the overall program as itself, and you can't be afraid to give up some control. What I mean, you can't be a control freak. Hire a coach, or who would want to come to USC when you're supposed to win, and they don't give you the opportunity to win because everybody's telling you how to do it. I mean, if you're going to hire an Urban Meyer, you're going to hire somebody like that, then say, it's your program, coach. We're here to help you in any way you need or whatever with the financial portion of it. We're not just don't break any rules and regulations, get us in trouble and put that in his contract. So he knows if I do that, I'm gone without any money and let him run the football program without trying to control the guy, leave him alone. Now in this type of situation with Clay Helton, I'm not even sure he's picking his assistant coaches. I mean, you know, uh, did Mike Bone think that Orlando was a good choice or these other coaches or the air raid attack? But was that really Clay Helton's choice or was that somebody else's choice? Now, if it's Clay Helton's choice, I always say this, Coach. I'm going to say this. You don't get many opportunities to be the head football coach at USC. And if I'm the head football coach at USC, you do it your way and you hire your coaches who are loyal to you, and you know, you know what they're doing, and you tell them what you want, and do it your way, and don't listen to anybody else, or else fire me and pay me my contract. Is that happening now at USC? Is that happening in the whole athletic department as far as football is concerned? And I think that's the best way for me to answer that question. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff, and uh, we uh, appreciate you coming back on during this holiday week and look forward to getting your thoughts after the USC-Colorado game coming up this weekend. Crossing our fingers that it happens, but it looks like it's going to. But, Coach, great stuff again, and uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, well, thank you, and for everybody out there, again, happy Thanksgiving. Sorry it was a little bit strong today, but uh, when you keep asking me the same questions, I'm like anybody else. Uh, you get tired of hearing them. So you start to answer them a little bit differently. All right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, 
visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.